I'm, how about how about content warning? If there's going to be uh, uh, a slideshow, that would be great, great. Especially, especially if anybody has the energy to the board. Our daughter Nola got an easy day oven for Christmas. It was a hand-me-down from her cousin, so so it didn't come in a box with pictures of she was using it or with any of the little mixes that was suggested to her what it was for. So at first, so it was kind of kind of interesting. She already she has, has a pretend of and that she doesn't really play with it anymore and more. But after, but after I talked her talk through, through mixing up some brown batter and making it herself, saw light on light on. For weeks, she has been telling telling anyone who listened, including any of you, you that she could use the oven oven now. And Rochelle or I would quickly jump in and verify that yes, yes. When we were we cooking together, together, she was allowed to pass the press and process the temperature or, or to open the oven door, or she was careful and promised to stand back. Stand back. Still, and still in her mind was this was height, height of kidness. Until, until she tasted that first bite of her own easy baking creation. Then she came into the living room and declared to us, I don't, I don't need your, your oven anymore. I, I have my oven. And she started, and she started making a list of things she was going to cook with it. I have, I have some idea how she felt because I remember feeling the same way when I got my oven. My oven. Not like I didn't have other things that were mine, not like she doesn't. So this was different. It wasn't just a toy to play with, it was a tool to use. It really did something. It wasn't the He-Man sword that was dull as a spoon. It wasn't like the army guy parachute that couldn't really catch anyone. It wasn't a Cabbage Patch doll that lay there lifeless waiting for you to put words in its mouth. It was something that worked, something that made things, even things people might want. Something that would feed them. Something, something with actual power, and it was mine. Ever since we chose this theme, take me to your river, I can't hear that phrase without starting to recite the first lines of this poem. Between the last war and the next one, waiting for the northbound train that travels by the river, I sit alone in the middle of the night and welcome angels. Five years ago last night, those were the first words ever spoken at a Gilead service. I practiced them for hours ahead of time so I could deliver them from memory that night. Welcome back, old hymns, old songs, all the music, the rhyme and the rhythm. Welcome angels, archangels. Welcome early guesses and the names of things. Welcome wings. I found the poem a couple years before when Rebecca and I were dreaming of Gilead. Before we, before we had that name, even. We were, we were searching for words and images and music that felt like the community we imagined. These grabbed us. We kept, we kept coming back to them. We spoke to why we wanted to make Gilead or who we were making it for. People who wanted to find their way back. 
who have never had a way in to begin with. People who only knew enough about church to know it wasn't for them. Or people who knew way too much about church to ever believe it would be for them again. People, as we often say, who've been told or made to feel that they're too queer, too out, too smart, too loud, too weird, to have too many questions, too big an agenda for church. People who have been, who have been told all of that but somehow never lost their hope, their hope that there was something in it for them. People who, people who were still curious or who had just, who had just become curious about life beneath the surface of things. People who, people who had space for meaning and for mystery. People who say, say, like the poem, I have grown tired of disbelief. What once is great, grave is boring. People like, people like Jacob, Jacob, who, who we started, started thinking of as kind of, kind of a patron saint of Gilead. Partly, partly because of this poem, but the rest of it tells his story. Or really, two of his stories mash together. The first, the first one when he's leaving home, a home, a home where he had never really fit in, a home where he'd been labeled and compared to his brother since the moment of his birth. A home, a home where the only blessing he could ever get was one he had to steal. The story, the story of how he ran away, how he turned his back on it all, and how in that lowest moment he'd fallen asleep in the desert with nothing but a rock to lay his head on. And how, and how he dreamed, dreamed, even in that place, of a ladder with angels going up and down on it, right beside him. How he woke in the next morning with the realization, God is here, here, with me. Even though, even though I don't know it. And then, and then the story of how he came back many years later, tired of running. How he wrestled with God beside the Jabbok River in a place called Gilead. How he received a blessing and a many name are in the bargain. The poem just matches them together. Welcome back to my embrace, stranger. Visitor beside Jabbok. Welcome wrestling until dawn, until it is my hip thrown out of joint, my, my pillow side, my ladder of antique assumptions. We were making a Gilead for God wrestling people. People were trying on new names. They needed a community that used them. For people fleeing what had never felt like home. For people taking cautious steps back. For people at their lowest points. For people wounded and limping and also blessed. That's part of what we saw in the poem. Mainly, I think what grabbed us in the poem, or what grabbed me in the poem, was that word my, or, or all those words my. My, my embrace, my, my hip, my, my pillow, my, my ladder, that sense of ownership of the story of Jacob, Jacob of the God that he met there. He wanted, he wanted to make a church for anyone who wanted to call it theirs, for anyone who wanted to claim it, especially, especially if they were afraid to. Especially, especially if they weren't sure they were allowed to make a space where they could say, this is my story. 
my, my song, my, my prayer, my, my blessing, my, my God. We wanted to make it what anyone ever, ever wanted or needed to say, I don't need your God anymore. I have my God. I want to say you dreamed of a church to wave away, but that's not really right. Even the idea that you were making a church for anyone was wrong. That would just be our our husband that you were letting you use. You dreamed of a church I do. We dreamed of just telling as many people as we could. We still dream together. We're dreaming of telling as many people as we can. You have an oven. Which is a weird, is a weird thing to tell people out of context that I recognize. But in case, in case you never noticed, in case, in case you were told otherwise, you have a church. You are a church. A church. You are, you are the beloved community. You are the beloved. You have a story. God, God is in that story. God is in every one of your stories. In case you didn't know, or in case you knew and no one ever fucking believed you. We believe you. It's real and it has actual power. It's something that others might want. Something, something they need. Something we need. Something, something sharp, sharp that can cut right to the heart. Something strong that can catch us when we're falling. Something alive. Something, something that saves lives. Something that can feed someone else. It's yours to share. If you're, if you're new to Gilead, by which I mean I've shown up in the last, let's call it, let's call it two years. I'm so, I'm so sorry to say you're missing the best part. There's this moment in every Gilead service that we haven't been able to do since COVID. And, and this week I realized how important it is and how much I miss it. Like everything good, we discovered it by accident or it was by mistake when we were unprepared. Time, time, God always shows up, which is why we show up unprepared sometimes. I don't remember the specific circumstances, but one week at Redline Tap, we were gathered around one of their like wobbly ass glittery tables for communion, the way we did. And we said all the prayers and broke the bread and lifted the cup and gave the instructions, and then suddenly realized we had no one to serve communion with us. So we, just, so we just like lifted up, lifted up the elements and asked, asked who, wants who wants them. And someone, someone raised their hand and took the bread, and someone else grabbed, grabbed the cups, and they probably nervously whispered, What am I supposed to say? And we probably unhelpfully shot back, Whatever you want to. That was, that was the way it went most weeks. We did, we did it that way every week after. And usually, usually, if there were kids there, and their hands were the first to go up to start the auto or Jude, because they because they could sense it, they recognized power when they saw it. They knew they were being offered something real, real, something they did something, something, something that others others wanted. 
and they weren't, they weren't afraid, afraid to take ownership. My bread, my, my cut, my body, my blood. And they were, they were right. It's yours, it's yours. To, share, to share, to give away, to give away or, or at least a point to help, to help the light go on for others. To say, to say there's, there's something good here in you, around you, in case, in case you missed it. There's something, there's something sweet and sustaining. It's not really mine to give, but it's yours if you want it. If you want it, if you want, if you want it, like the poem says, to welcome what is not my own. Glory on the top rung coming down. This is the word of God for the people of God.